Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. Then we're going over into the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22. So Habakkuk as chapter 3 and verse 2, just finishing off on this subject, the life of God in revival. I believe this is probably, I know it's the last message, but it should have possibly been the first, but it is certainly the first and the last. And it's the life of God in revival and this uh, wonderful subject of the love of God. When God comes in his great life, he manifests his great love. And that's what we need today, a manifestation of agape love, the love of God. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help, for your anointing. We thank you for your presence already in our midst this morning. And we pray, God, would you speak to our hearts afresh? Lord, would you minister into the depths of every being in this life? Lord, would you stir our hearts again? Set all our hearts ablaze with thy love. Lord, would you do it in our midst? Lord, it's our cry, it's our prayer. Anoint, O oh God, as we preach, both to preach and to hear your word. Lord, we just pray for a wonderful sense of your presence. Lord, that you would come down and fill this place with your life and your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Habakkuk 3, verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. <clears throat> in the midst of the years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. And Jesus said unto him, Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. With the revival that we pray for and the revival that we seek, when that revival life comes, that resurrection life comes, everything of who God is is manifested. And there is no greater attribute to know than to know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Herein is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be a propitiation or a covering for our sins. There is nothing that will impact a community greater than when the life and the love of Christ flows out from his church and impacts a community with the great love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love motivates God. For God so loved the world, he was motivated by love, what did he do? That he gave us his only begotten son. That's what motivates God. It's God's great love. And Paul, the great missionary, writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. He's recording his missionary journeys, the life as a missionary, uh, as a gospel preacher, as a as one who has been apprehended by the Lord, wonderfully saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and sent out to bring the gospel to the four corners of the world. 
And he gives us an insight into his ministry, into the missionary endeavors that he went through. At 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he says, I was in stripes above measure. I was in prisons more frequent in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times I received forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. And journeyings often in pearls of water and pearls of robbers and pearls of mine own countrymen and pearls by the heathen and pearls in the city and pearls in the wilderness and pearls in the sea and pearls amongst false brethren and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. You ask the question, Paul, why? Why did you do it? And he responds to us with these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. He said there, it's the love of God that constrains me. In other words, that word means that's what urges me to do what I do. That's what compels me to go through all of this because there is a love that has touched my life. And it is this love that encourages me. It is this love when times I want to perhaps give up or not go on, or I'm faint, or I'm discouraged, or all the powers of hell and darkness are against me. When people fail me, when there's betrayals and discouragements in life, what causes us to go on? It's the love of God. It's this thought this morning, brothers and sisters. And when I think that God, His Son not spurning, I scarce can take it in. That's what causes us to get up tomorrow morning. It's the love of God in our hearts. We may not feel it. We may experience the storms and the winds and the trials and the disappointments. But friends, there's something in our hearts this morning. And it's a love. It's a gappy love. It's the love of God that has touched our lives. That causes us to rise in the morning and say, it's this love that makes me go on. It's this love that makes me to stand in a world that hates God, that's filled with wickedness. It's this love that causes us in the midst of trials and darkness and all the despair that's come and the despair the disintegration of our foundations as a nation. But brothers and sisters, what causes us to come? It's the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the love of God. He said, this is what constrains me. He said, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all that we we which are alive should henceforth not live unto ourselves, but unto him which died for us and rose again. This is what it's about, friends. This is the core of it all. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That love, God's love, to revive the church again. We'd see a church so immersed 
and set ablaze with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That will motivate the church to reach out. That's the love of God. You know, why would you stand on a street corner and have people walk past and reject as you stand with the gospel tract? Why would you stand in the wind and the rain and the mockings and the scourges? I tell you why. It's because it's the love of God for a lost and a dying world. And surely today it's the church that needs to be motivated by the great love of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the church that needs to be awakened again. This is revival. When the church is revived with Calvary's love, what will it do? It will be motivated to go. It will be motivated to reach out. It will be motivated to go into a lost world. 60,000 people marched Belfast yesterday, but Jesus loves them all. He loves them with a love and He's calling them to repentance and turn to God. But who'll stand in the evil day motivated not by a ministry or a selfish ambition, but motivated with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said just a few verses before that, knowing the very terror of the Lord, we will persuade men. We will persuade you to the day that Christ burst through the clouds. There's a hell to shun. There's a heaven to gain. But brothers and sisters, this morning, it's just not about fear tactics. Hell's real. But what it is this morning is a love in our hearts to say, Oh God, would you come to Calvary? Would you come to Jesus? Would you know of His great love this morning? Would you know of His undying love on the cross? That He would reach into the depths of a being and touch a heart with Calvary's love. If you've never experienced it, brothers and sisters, and friend in this house, if you've never known of this love, you don't know what you're missing. The world will give you a love that will disappoint you. The world will give you a love that's false and betray you. But one thing about the love of God, it never fails. It never fails. It's the greatest love. There's no love like the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 John at chapter 4 and verse 7, the apostle said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God, what does it say? Is, what is He? God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might through Him live through Him, Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us, sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, if God so loved us, do you know that God loves you this morning? Do you believe it this morning? Well, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, guess what happens? God dwells in that place and his love is perfected in us. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for the word that's used so often by all of us, reality. They're looking to see the reality of God. No man has seen God at any time. 
So how will this world see God? They'll see God when they look at God's body, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do they see there? They see a love like they have never witnessed before. They see a manifestation of the love of God as we love one another. I would put to you this morning, including myself, the church needs revived. When we look at this topic of love, the church needs revival. We need to know and touch the reality of this love of God again. In John 13, verse 34, if you turn to it, Jesus said these words, John 13, 34, as a, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, and this is how you're to love. How do I love? This is what Jesus said. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. And then he says something, as I have loved you. That's, that's the major statement. That is an awesome statement. He says that you love one another exactly the same way that I loved you. I'm going to say, friends, if you don't mind, I think we need revival. I think we need revival. Now, you also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. They'll know we're the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not by what we preach, not by what we sing, not by the activities we have in our church, not by our building, not by all the things that we have. And thank God for all those things. But by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If ye have, what? Love one to another. What type of love? The same love that Christ demonstrated for me is the love that we're to have for each other. It brings us to a place where we know naturally we don't have that love. Would you say amen if you believe that? Naturally, it's not a natural love. It's not a filial love. It's not something on feelings. This is the love of the Lord. This is the love of Calvary. Jesus said, or the apostle said, on 1 John 3.16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, And this is what the apostle said. And we ought to lay our lives down. For who? For the brethren. As we would say in this, in in our country, we would take one for him. We would take a bullet for him. We would lay our life down for him. Here's the love of God. I would put you this morning in a general sense, and I would ask you to make the discernment yourself according to what we're reading this morning, and in a general sense in the church of Jesus Christ, in our vicinity, in our land, I would put to you this morning, there's a great lack. And that's why we need what? We need revival. This is why we need revival. Because we see the lack. The love of God is the greatest love. The Bible says, greater love is no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 4, But God is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. This is the greatest love. There is no greater love than the love that the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated for us on Calvary. This is Agape's love. This love is an everlasting love. In Jeremiah 31 and 2, he says, I love you with an everlasting love. This love is an unfailing love. Love 
This love, agape's love, never fails. That's what the Bible says. This love is an impregnable love. Nothing, Paul says, nothing can separate us from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a love this morning. He said that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall separate us from the love of God. You cannot penetrate the love of God with any force in this planet. What a love. This love is a perfect love. And the perfect love of God, what does it do? It casts out all fear because fear has torment. But thank God for this love this morning. Never an age that we're living in that we've heard of people in anxiety, panic attacks, fears, trials, every type of spiritual wickedness that has come. This is real. People are living in fear, panic attacks, anxieties, can't sleep, living in fear. This is amongst the church of Jesus Christ. This is real. This is no joke. This is no game. This is a reality in which we're living today. But oh God baptizes again in the love of Christ. It drives out all fear. We need a move of the Spirit of God. The life of God in revival is the manifestation of the great love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Romans 5 and 5, if you turn there, it's an important verse because this is the truth. Romans 5 and 5, it says this, the love of God, this love that I'm talking about this morning, you're saved and washed in the blood in this room. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Not awesome this morning. Think about it. This, this Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, has shed abroad in our hearts. Everyone that's saved, the Holy Ghost has shed into your heart the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. See that word, as shed abroad? Know what it means? It means to to pour forth or to gush out or, or to spill forth. In other words, the Holy Ghost, His desire is that there be a mighty river of the love of God poured into the hearts of every believer by the Holy Ghost. That's the will of God. It's shed abroad in our hearts. This is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ pours forth, pouring forth the love of Jesus Christ into our hearts. Christian brother and sister, can you discern in our day? You know, it doesn't take you to be very intelligent just to be able to discern spiritually the great lack of such a love manifested in the church in a broader sense. In a broader sense, it doesn't take much to be able to discern that something is terribly wrong. Something terrible is wrong. In the church today, the real and the reality of the agape love of the Lord Jesus Christ, Calvary love, this is the love of God. Surely it's a cry in our hearts today. You see, we want revival, holiness, unity, humility, and the love of God, the love of Christ, a holy walk, a unity of the brethren. But friends, this comes when there's a gushing forth 
of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in the hearts of his people. Something happens that takes us out of the selfish mode but brings us into a mode of what service really is. We're motivated in everything that we do, not by anything else but by the love of God. You see, the Bible tells us this is what's going to happen in the last days. There isn't a prayer meeting on this planet that will change what God has said. There isn't a prayer meeting that will change this. Matthew 24, verse 12. It's so important that we know this. Matthew 24, and verse 12. How many believe that iniquity is on the rise? Would you say amen if you believe that? Iniquity is on the rise, but something happens in that hour. This is the last days. Matthew 24. Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, because of this, what happens? The love of many, what happens? Shall wax cold. See that, that word there, those words, shall wax cold. I just done a wee bit of digging into that. Do you know what it's like? I just want to explain it in art. Our, in our house, in the winter when it's cold, we have the big log burner going in that wee room just beside our kitchen. That's our back door. If you're sitting on our, if you've ever been in our house, there's a wee red chair there. It's not far from the back door. You're sitting there and you're roasty toasty. And the logs are on, the fire's burning, the curtains are closed. It's, it's great. You have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And then the kids, bless them, we love them. And then the kids come bolting through the living room and they go out the back door, and they leave the back door open. And it's freezing cold. Now, of course, you would think I would say, young man, please close the door, but it's just not like that. Because what happens when the door's left open? There's a chill. You know what I'm talking about? There's a chill that comes bellowing in that back door. And it's like, a, it's like leaving a freezer door open. And the chill begins to come over your legs and maybe get a wee blanket in the future, but the chill comes into the room and then you call out, someone close the door. Now what you do? Well, that's the way I do it anyway. Because it's freezing. That's exactly what it means to wax cold. It's like the devil's opened the door of hell and it's like the freezer now there's a chill that's just sweeping across our nation right at this very moment. And it's affecting the children of God. It's affecting the church of Jesus Christ. There's a chill that's come over. There's not the same passion, not the same motivation. No when you get saved. Remember the day you get saved? Boy, you would go anywhere for the Lord. North, south, east, west. Wasn't a problem. All on the altar, gladly you lay. You were excited. You were filled with the joy of the Lord. The love of God had just touched your heart. Boy, I tell you, you'd take the gates of the city. You'd look for every giant that there was because you believed. I remember even in our early days, we remember one time Nicky and I were saying, why don't we just get a double-decker bus and we'll just kit it out and we'll just live in the bus and we'll just drive all over Ireland and England and we'll just go around the streets preaching the gospel. Maybe we'll still do it. Maybe it's in our hearts to say, God, we want to be free from this world and a love of Christ in our hearts to win a world for Jesus. And then the cold breeze of religiosity and then the cold breeze of circumstances begin to sweep over our souls. We sang this morning, Holy Spirit, sweep over my soul. 
Warm our hearts again. Motivate our lives with the love of gain. Oh God, raise us up again to go out with the gospel. Lord, they may reject us. We may not see anyone saved. But God, this morning it's a love. Because we're so conditioned by what people think or what people say. Let me tell you, friends, if it was anything for us, if it was anything for what we want to do, the last place in the world you come to is bound the hinge. It has to be a love of God and a heart that motivates you to step out. It has to be a love that says, God, we'll come. We'll go wherever you, you send us, whatever you want us to do. Stay or go. Lord, it's a love in our hearts. And so we see there's a great waxing cold. Would you agree that the cool breeze, can you feel it? It's a spiritual breeze. Can you feel it? Anyone feel the, the breeze? The cool breeze that has swept in over our country. But it says, many, but praise God, not all. Did you hear me this morning? Many, but praise the Lord, not all. Are you part of the many? Are you part of the remnant this morning? We don't want to go cold. Sure we don't. Sure we don't. Anybody want to go cold spiritually? Maybe there's someone under the sound of my voice this morning you know, on the outward, it might seem all fine, but there's been a cool breeze that's come in. There's a coldness in spirit. There's like a mechanical operation. It's become nearly religious. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can I tell you something? Every believer experiences it. Every, every believer goes through it. Young believer, hear me this morning. Every believer's experienced if you're going through it. There's a cold that comes in. There's a breeze that comes, but it says many will wax cold. That's the day we're in. Jude, one of my favorite letters, Jude, probably my favorite. This is what he says concerning the last days and the coming of the Lord. He says in Jude verse 20, just that one wee letter before the end. He says, but ye beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. Then he says this, pray in the Holy Ghost. We've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. We've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. We all believe in every type of demonic activity. We all believe that the devil's running rampant. We all believe there's every type of stronghold and every type of spirit that there is in Balnehenge the in the surrounding area. We believe the enemies unleashed everything in the last days. But I tell you, there's a praying in the Holy Ghost. There's a praying in the Spirit. There's a building up in your most holy faith. There's a praying through to touch God. We need a reviving in our hearts. And then he says, now keep yourselves, what? In the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ on the eternal life. Surely it's a day to keep ourselves in the love of God, praying in the Holy Ghost, stirred up in our faith, every gift in us, stirred by the Holy Spirit to stand in these days, to fill us with the great love of the Lord Jesus Christ. John, it tells us in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, if you turn over Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, tells us that John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he heard and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, 
the first and the last. What thou seest, write it in a book, send it to the seven churches, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, on the Ephesus, on the Smyrna, on the Pergamos, on the Thyatira, on the Sardis, on the Philadelphia, and on the Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about with the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes were as flame of fire, his feet like unto fine brass, and they burned in the furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. This is the Lord. This is the Lord here. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, praise the Lord, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars, this is important, are the angels of the seven churches or they are the messengers to each of the seven churches. Seven messengers to the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks are the seven churches. Now, not for time's sake this morning, we'll not go there, but the golden candlestick, gold always spoke, or we'd speak of that which was the divine, the divine presence of God. The golden candlestick was what gave a church the credibility in the sight of God to be a church. It doesn't matter what people say. What matters is what God says and what God sees. So whatever people say about this church, that church, what's important is, is the golden candlestick in the midst. That's the, the, the presence of God. That's all that matters. Can I tell you, friends, not all churches that are called churches have the golden candlestick in the midst. Not all. God knows that, but not all do. Now this church, this church that we're going to look at, and you'll know probably where I'm going, this church was birthed in revival. I mean, it was revival. It was the resurrection power. It was the reality of God. It was birthed by Paul the Apostle, Acts chapter 18 and 19. If you turn into 19, we'll see the birth of this church. Acts chapter 19 and verse four. Paul, the great missionary that we've talked about this morning, comes to Ephesus. And we see here just the reality of the power of God, God moving in revival power, planting churches. The church is motivated by love. It's going out. God is moving. There's opposition. There's struggles. There's debates. There's everything going on. But brothers and sisters, the power of God's moving. Men are being raised up to go forth with the gospel, motivated by the love of God. Paul brings certain men together in Acts 19 and 4, and they said to Paul, when Paul asked them what were they baptized or how were they baptized, and they said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying on the people that they should believe in him that should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, 
The Holy Ghost came on them and they speak with tongues and they prophesy. This is many years after Pentecost. So just as it was, so so it was again here in Ephesus. The same pattern of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost. They speak with tongues. They prophesied and all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing, persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Can I ask you a question? Why did he do it? What's the answer? The love of God. That's why he did it. But when the verse were hardened and believed not, but speak evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them, separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one of Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years, Now listen to this, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Verse 11, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. God give us a revival, just like Ephesus. We need the power of God. We need this power, the reality of God. God moving and supernatural power. Evil spirits going out. There was opposition. There was difficulties. There was persecution. But the power of God's moving in reality. People are getting set free. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered on the streets. They're coming up against every type of spiritual wickedness. But thank God God's with them. And this church is being birthed. Two years the Apostle Paul was there to birth this church. Just for time's sake, Paul writes a letter to Ephesus, to the church there, the the little epistle of the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I want to show you something just in the progression of this. So it's birthed in reality and in the power of God. Ephesians 1 and 15, Paul's now writing to the same church that he birthed, had seen a real move of the Holy Spirit, this is what he says. Ephesians 1.15 Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul, here's the good report. See this church? Here's two things about this church. They have great faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the second thing. See their love for the saints? Paul said, I'm just rejoicing when I hear the good report from Ephesus. 30 years later, about 30 years later, Jesus Christ is standing. John sees the vision. Here's one standing in the midst of seven golden candlesticks. Now listen, brothers and sisters, I believe this is a warning to us. I believe we need to take heed. It's reality. It's reality. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, the first church of the seven then is addressed. It says this, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, or the messenger to the church. Some believe that the messenger is the pastor of each of the churches, that he was given the message to bring to the church. I I would believe that, that this was a messenger sent with the message from God. These things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Then is what he says, I know your works. I know your labor and thy patience, and thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which are the apostles and are not. You have found them to be liars. You has borne, has patience for my name's sake. You have labored and you have not fainted. If I could just stop you there, you stay with me this morning. 
I mean, if I just presented to you this morning any church and said, this is a church such and such, such and such a town, this is what it is, this is the name of it, I want to tell you a wee bit about this church. This church is a church that works well. It's a church of patience. This church can discern. This church wants to flee evil. This church can discern the false teachers and the apostles of the day and has found them out to be liars. This church is born that has patience. This church knows what it is to endure difficulties. They know how to go through the trial. They know how to keep going. Somehow there's something within these people. I tell you what, you can throw everything at them. And all of a sudden they just keep going. They keep singing. They keep rejoicing. They keep coming. They keep pressing on. And if I told you just out of context all of that, most of us, wouldn't we respond and say, boy, that sounds like a great church. Wouldn't you say that? No? Would you say that? Yes, you're still with me, still alive. Say amen if you're here. Praise the Lord, still alive. You would say, yes, that's a great church. And it is a great church. Actually, what Jesus is doing, he's commending this church for all the good that's there. He was actually saying, this is great. I see your works. I know you work. I know you're faithful. I know that, that, that you give everything. I know that you're out there doing it. I know that you're faithful in the capacity that you're called in that church. I can see you as a Sunday school teacher. I see you in the crash. At the crash. God sees your work. It's work, isn't it? It's no work. Man, we can't say anything, but see the women, it's work. Thank God you do it to give mums a couple of hours to sit in a meeting. I see your work in the school. I see your work when you're cleaning the church of the house of God. Oh, we'll just give it a wee scoot over. God sees that too. So does Elaine. <laughs> but he sees our work. He sees our labor. He sees our faithfulness. He sees our desire. Our desire is genuine, isn't it? Isn't our desire sincere? We want to work for the Lord. We want to labor while it's day. Why? Because the night comes when no man can work. And the night's upon us. I see your labor. I see that you labor. I see that there is sweat on your brow. I see that you're willing to go the whole hog. You're willing to serve. You're willing to get down in the dirt. You're willing to dig trenches. I see all of that. I see your honesty and your sincerity in that. I see your patience. I see your patience that you've gone through it. I see the trials and you've been patient in it. You're trusting God. You're believing God. You've gone through the difficulties. You're believing God for a miracle. You're believing God for healing. You're believing God for a breakthrough in your family. You're believing God for revival. You're believing God that he become in revival power. I've seen your patience. God sees it. He sees it all. Praise God. He sees it. He says, I see that you can't bear them that are evil. It turns. We see a wickedness in our land. We see the abortion. We see the, the gay marriage. We see our streets flooded. Our city hall has a, a huge flag above it. Yesterday, for the first time ever, 100 people in 1991, whatever it is, and, and tens of thousands yesterday. We're living in a sea change, a day that's changing. God says, I can see that you don't bear them that are evil. I commend you for that. I see you discern the false teachers, those that are out in it for money, those that are in it to try and fleece the body of Christ. And friends, there's countless, countless, not just the ones on TV, they're all over the place. There's a man a couple of years ago, I was told, he'd be great to have a testimony, come to your church. When I talked to him, he says, listen, my fee's £150. Over. 
If you're in it to get a fee, get out of it quick, because you're going to meet this man that we're talking about in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. What a tragedy. So it may not just be the ones that drive the jets. They're all around us. They're in this wee country of ours. Brothers and sisters, I believe that you give and you bless people in giving, but if you've got a fee for speaking, you better just start sweeping the streets or, or doing something else very quickly. That's not the way it works. And so we're able to discern the false. And you've been faithful. Well, sometimes I don't feel I'm faithful. Sometimes I'm just, but you've been faithful. You haven't fainted. You're still here. Praise the Lord. You've made it through. And so there's much to commend the church. And then the Lord says just these words. Think about it. Nevertheless, verse 4, there's something against you. This was the church. The Lord speaking to his church. I have something against you. I commend you in so many things. But really the whole thing rests on this. You've left your first love. You've left your first love. The cool breeze has swept in. You know, I, I don't believe that someone just gets up in the morning and says, I'm leaving Jesus. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't work that way. We get busy. We get tired. We get trials. We get troubles. Sometimes they just keep on coming and coming and coming and coming. And you go, my God, I don't know where I'm going to make this. But, oh God, I'll just go on faith believing. Then we get busy in life. We get busy in church. We get busy in ministry. We get busy with a lot of stuff. Don't we get busy? We Don't we get busy? Then we feel the breeze, the coolness come. We don't even know it's come. You know, there's three settings in that fan, one, two, and three. See the first one? You can nearly not feel it, but it's coming. And so now the breeze is flowing. The coolness is coming over our hearts. And now we find ourselves, we could still be going to church three, four times a week. We could still be doing all the meetings. We could still even be on outreach. We could still be doing whatever ministry we're involved in, whether it's in Sunday school, whether it's in, in school, whether it's in whatever it's, Whatever capacity, lighthouse club, helper, driving a bus, doing whatever, preaching, singing. We could do a lot of stuff, but then we're cold. We don't even realize that we've left our first love. The crucial motivating factor in everything. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Know why we do it? The love of God. And now here's a church birthed in revival, seen miracles, endured, had patience, discerned, worked, operated. And now it says, Thou has left. See now those words, Thou has left. Matthew 26, verse 55, Jesus is in the garden. He's coming right up. He's in Gethsemane. He's coming right up to the time when they're going to take him. He's going to give his life down, lay his life down for us. And it says there, in the CMR, Jesus said to his multitudes, to the multitudes, are you come out against 
out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me. I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold of me. But all this was done that the scriptures might be f- scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And then it says these words, Then all the disciples, this is exactly the same word, forsook him and fled. That's the same word. Thou hast left forsake and to flee. I want to encourage you this morning. I pray that this doesn't come across as in any way to, to beat us or to... I want us to hear the heart of the Lord and the Father this morning. He wants us to come. He longs for fellowship. He's motivated. Do you know why he's standing in this church? Do you know what he's motivating? It's not wrath. It's mercy. What motivates him is his love. I don't want you to leave me. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But don't forsake your first love. Don't leave me. Don't let it go cold. The divine presence of God, he says, remember, where did this go wrong? Go back to where, trace it back. How did it happen? I got busy. But Lord, he knows he's not going to beat us. He's saying, I know I understand you're busy. I understand your life. I understand the pressures of this end time. But what you need for to go through this end times me and your love for me and my love for you, that's what's going to keep us until he comes. So he says, remember where you've fallen. But he says, repent. Get back to the first works. Get back to the joy. Get back to the hope. Get back to the faith. Get back to the book. Get back to loving me. Get back to worshiping me. Get back to praising me. Get back to walking with me. Do the first works. And then he says, or I'll come quick. And I'll take the candlestick out of this place. The manifest presence of Jesus. Except you repent. But Lord, we're a great church. We're, we're great in works. We're great in faithfulness. Lord, we've come through a lot for you. Lord, we've done loads for you. But you've left what's this all about. You've left me and the love I have for you. Brothers and sisters, nevertheless, is an awesome word. I have something against you. Is it not a cry? Or is it not a desire? Maybe this morning, every believer in this room, you're on passionate fire with the love of God. Praise God. Keep the fire burning. As we would say, keep it lit. Keep it burning. Keep it going. Maybe that's everyone in this room. But I want to say to you this morning what I desire. I want to love him more because I don't love him enough. I want to know him more because I don't know him the way I want to know him. I want to be motivated in everything that I do As the pastor of this church, I want to be motivated with the love of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, I want him more than anything else. Here's the great news. He wants us. Can you believe it? He wants us.
Here's the agape love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and I do not have love, and become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal, Though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries and knowledge. Though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and I have not love, it does not profit me anything. Love suffers long, it is kind. Love envieth not, love faunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, it thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, It hopeth all things and endureth all things. Love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes, that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I speak as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. Is love. We want to love more, don't we? Do we need our hearts touched afresh with this love? That's what's going to motivate the church to reach out to a lost and damn world. It's the love of God. The life of God in revival brings the love of God. Calvary's love. O God, baptize us all with thy love. Let's stand together this morning.